Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. So today I'm calling this the the acid trip, kind of taken from a those 1960s uh, sort of psychedelic area where they said, are you experienced? Well, that expression comes from cultural history, specifically, like I just mentioned, 1960s counterculture, when the generation gap and all that stuff was obvious. Peace and love were the antidote to war. Woodstock was the thing. The seeds of rebellion were in the air and acid was on a lot of people's minds. Okay, different kind of acid we're going to talk about today, but I felt the title was catchy enough. And I suppose the kind we're into could be mind-altering to a certain extent also. We discussed the idea of soft acid water in the context of blackwater aquariums, or for that matter, aquariums in general over the decades. And it brings out a lot of interesting reactions from people. It's that sort of half-mythical destination that many of us want to achieve to create conditions for a whole bunch of different fishes. Some of us are lucky enough to start out with soft tap water of negligible carbonate hardness, and it's not at all aspirational to create acidic water. It's easy. Others of us have, you know, liquid minerals spewing from our faucets, and an RODI unit is pretty much the only route that we're ever going to use to be able to venture towards that destination. Now, a lot of people ask about utilizing leaves and other botanicals to lower the pH in their aquariums. As you're no doubt aware by now, many of these natural materials release substances such as tannic and humic acids into the water, which can acidify it if the water has low enough carbonate hardness. Let's be honest, most botanicals won't do much to significantly reduce the pH if you start with hard alkaline water, as that carbonate hardness will prevent the acids released by these materials from reducing the pH in any significant means. In general, it's fairly safe, and I gulp when I say that, it's fairly safe to state that soft water is generally usually less alkaline or perhaps even acidic, and hard water is usually much more alkaline. Soft, acidic water. It even sounds kind of cool. Just like my voice falling apart. It even sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Low pH water, the jumping off point for the hardcore fish keeper, right? Uh, Land where all sorts of possibilities exist, where autumn angels and wild betas play, right? A land where replicating a peat swamp in Borneo or an igarape in Brazil are totally achievable. A realm where, yeah, leaves and botanicals can have serious impact. Low pH. This is currently the realm of super experienced, highly experimental hobbyists who are perhaps trying to unlock secrets of very demanding fishes like Altum Angels and others, which are known to come from and thrive in pH levels below 5.0. And to achieve and maintain such pH levels, we're learning that the careful administration of acids and the application of other exotic and scary sounding techniques is required. And the management of low pH systems with the additional benefit of humic substances provided by botanicals is a real frontier in the hobby. Even in the greater context of the blackwater or botanical method aquarium world, it's seen as such. It can be challenging, but it's not the frightening sideshow that it once was. 
I mean, it sounds a bit scary, right? What exactly is the challenge here besides getting the water to your desired target pH? Well, understanding water quality management and the way in which denitrification occurs in closed systems in very low pH is challenging. On the surface, it seems really scary and daunting. I can't help but believe that, like so many things in the aquarium hobby, it's more of a function of the fact that we haven't done much with this in the past and we simply didn't have a path to follow, or at least we don't just yet. We need to understand a different class of organisms which run the cycle in this environment and how to manage them. This reminds me a lot of what with the early days of the reef aquarium hobby back in the mid 80s, early 90s, when we didn't quite understand calcification and the impact of calcium and carbonates on our, on our corals and have an appreciation for, you know, the, the dance that occurs with uh, alkalinity and calcium and magnesium and phosphates and all those base elements. So it's a very interesting kind of a thing. But I think we're kind of here at the aquarium in the aquarium world and the freshwater world. Again, I suspect that at some future point, there may indeed be more specific procedures and perhaps even products available to manage the water quality nitrogen cycle and overall aquarium environment in lower pH systems. It might be as simple as dosing kind of like we do in our reef tanks or, you know, setting up your system from the start to manage <clears throat> and maintain a lower pH environment. It's a highly specialized area, but one which seems to be getting more and more attention from the hobby. And really, we've seen hobbyists venture into difficult and scary hobby specialties before. You know, will the low pH botanical method aquarium system be the reef aquarium of the 2020s? We hope so. <clears throat> Excuse me. The other day, a hobbyist contacted me about the process of nitrogen cycle management in the lower pH aquarium and how it works and how we can get a cycle going. And of course, it made me once again want to kick myself in the ass for sleepwalking through biology class in college, but it also got me thinking. Specifically, he was concerned that the bacteria in a bottle products that are available commercially for the purpose of kickstarting the nitrogen cycle in our tanks typically don't function at lower pH levels. And he's right. It got me thinking about the nitrogen cycle and how it works in our botanical method aquariums and the importance of going slowly, observing and testing and understanding where the potential pitfalls are, which can, unfortunately, on rare occasions, cause bad, bad outcomes you know, in our aquariums. I mean, we should all have at least a rudimentary working knowledge about the nitrogen cycle and how it works in our aquariums. And there are numerous articles written about that in hobby literature and online by people who have forgotten more about this subject than I'll ever know. So I'm going to just make the assumption that you have some of the basics down. <clears throat> I have, excuse me again. I've personally never managed a system with pH much below 5.5. This is where the outer limits of low pH aquariums start for most people. And this is likely the realm of the archaea as the nitrosominous and nitrobacter bacteria that we're familiar with barely function at that pH. We've seen advanced aquarists depend upon chemical filtration media to manage organics at these extremes. And once again, I think the real key ingredient besides knowledge to managing a low pH system, like any system, is our old friend, patience. It takes longer to hit an equilibrium and, and or safe, reliable operating zone with this type of parameter. Populations of the organisms that we depend upon to cycle waste will take more time to multiply and reach levels sufficient to handle the bioload in low pH closed systems containing a lot of fishes and botanicals and all that stuff. This certainly gives the bacterial populations more time to adjust to the increase in bioload and for the dissolved oxygen levels to stabilize in response to the addition of materials added, especially in an existing aquarium. Going slowly when adding botanicals to any aquarium is always the right move in my opinion, period, full stop. And those extremely low pH levels, again, you might need to depend upon archaeans. I've said this again, 
You're like, who? What? Huh? They sound kind of exotic and even kind of creepy, right? It's like a sci-fi movie. Well, they actually could be our friends. We might not even be aware of their presence in our systems if they're there at all. Are they making an appearance in our low pH tanks? I'm not 100% certain, but I think they might be. Okay, I hope they might be. So what are the Archaeans? Well, it's a refresher. Archaeans include inhabitants of some of the most extreme environments on the planet. Some live near vents in the deep ocean at temperatures well over 100 degrees centigrade. True extremophiles. Others reside in hot springs or in extremely alkaline or acidic water. They've even been found thriving inside the digestive tracts of cows, termites, and marine life where they produce methane. I'm not going to say anything. They live in anoxic muds of marshes. Ooh, I find that interesting. And even thrive in petroleum deposits deep underground. Yeah, these are pretty freaking crazy adaptable organisms. The old sayings that, you know, if they were six feet tall, they'd be ruling the world kind of comes to mind here, doesn't it? Yeah, they're beasts, literally. They're the crew who manage the nitrogen cycle in low pH environments. Could it be that some of the challenges in cycling that we define as what we, in what we define as lower pH aquariums are a byproduct of a sort of no man's land where the pH is too low to support a large population of functioning nitrosominus and nitrobacter, but not low enough for significant populations of archaea to make their appearance? I'm wondering, maybe? Totally speculating here. I could be so off base that it's not even funny in some first year you know, microbiology major who also happens to be a fish geek could be listening to me and just laughing and going, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. So if you do, I would love to have you on the show. We could talk about this. This would be a lot of fun to learn. Yet I still can't help but wonder, is this a possible explanation for some of the difficulty that hobbyists have encountered in the lower pH arena over the years? Part of the reason why the mystique of low pH systems being difficult to manage has been so strong. And then you think about the pH levels in some natural, well-populated, at least by fishes, blackwater habitats falling into the 2.8 to 3.5 range, and you have to wonder what it is that makes life so adaptable to this environment. You have to wonder if the same process can, and indeed does, take place in our aquariums. And you have to wonder if we simply aren't working with these tanks in the correct manner, particularly when they fall into what we'd call extreme pH ranges. I wonder if the crashes and the fears and all sorts of bad stuff that we've talked about in the hobby for decades were simply the result of not quite understanding the operating system. I'm kind of thinking so. I really believe that. <clears throat> Things just work differently at that low pH levels in nature and in our aquariums. And it's, I think it's a matter of understanding what we're working with, figuring out the operating system and, and how to work with it. And then it's just a matter of doing it, just like saltwater and freshwater or Embuna, you know, African cichlid tanks where they have their highly alkaline Tanganyika lake salts and stuff like that <clears throat> versus a regular freshwater aquarium. <clears throat> it's just a different approach. Or as one of my buddies so eloquently put it during one of those alcohol-fueled fish conference discussions that we had a few years back, the idea is not to kill fish with the shit. <laughs> yep, you don't dabble in very low pH systems or any specialized aquatic system really without a game plan. Oh, and a pretty good understanding of chemistry, like way better than what I have here. Take the experience that you've gained in other areas to this new frontier, educate yourself, use that knowledge to push out further. Read, educate, it's out there on the internet if you want it. You can find it, but it's not always easy to find. Google's a good starting point. The other places to search online include scholarly research papers, which are sometimes published online. Please don't take the easy way out and simply email me for some kind of magical answer, because A, I don't likely have one, and B, there isn't one. Knowledge has to be gained by effort, your own effort, and often experience. And quite honestly, some of this stuff's dry. Chemistry is not always exciting for a lot of people. But often we learn by experience. 
Now, this is the part where you get more annoyed with me because I offer a little more than a challenge, a challenge to study, to experiment, and to learn. So this leaves most of us in a position of doing what we're already doing, managing our soft acidic, i.e. in the sixes, our soft acidic uh, aquariums in a manner consistent with good husbandry, going slowly with antibotanicals, and generally testing and observing our fishes. Ours is a world of balancing too much and not as much as we want, a world of observation, measurement, continuous self-education, and experimentation. We can't be casual or seat of the pants when we get to the lower pH ranges in the hobby. It's not set and forget, at least not right now. Active management is required. We don't enter this arena lightly or dabble in it. I think that we're all you know, already aware that each and every blackwater or botanical method aquarium requires thoughtful husbandry and a generalized understanding of water chemistry and ecology. And taking this body of knowledge and experience to the lower pH arena is a real smart move. So when you've got that kind of figured out, and it is entirely possible to do that, people may ask you that old question from the 60s, are you experienced? And you'll be able to look them in the eye and say, yes, yes, I am. Wouldn't that be a trip? I think that it would, and a useful one at that. Stay brave, stay undaunted, stay educated, stay relentless, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tent and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to talking to you again on the next installment of The Tent.